Welcome to Bloodbath, a true crime podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Jamie. Wait, Ash, did you just say true crime? I did. So if I'm easily creeped out or offended by unsolved murders of realtors and medical insurance fraud with runaway doctors, then this probably isn't the podcast for me. I'm offended by cold cases as well, but I still be doing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's consider this your trigger warning. You're about to listen to a fully unedited true crime podcast in order to prep for our upcoming live show. So buckle up. Be sure to rate, yes, review, and subscribe. What? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> First mess up. Here we go. Be sure to rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. It's time for the show. Love it. Love it. This is going to be great. <laughs> okay, so Jeez. my case today, as said, shut up, as said, is a realtor. She's unsolved, unfortunately. I have my suspicions, as we always do, but, you know, let's get into it. So her name is Lindsay Elizabeth Buziak, and she was born November 2nd, 1983, to her dad and mom, Jeff and Evelyn Buziak, and she has a sister named Sarah. They're all from Vancouver, Canada, and she was described as being popular and caring and lit up a room. Oh, my God. You said it. I can hear the eye roll, but, like, you can still be an asshole sometimes and light up a room, okay? It's called balance. (laughs) Everyone's got a little bit of asshole in them, okay? So her dad was a real estate agent, and he would help people find their dream homes. Like, he was big-time real estate, and Lindsay decided to follow in his footsteps, So she was going down this really well-known career path with the people she had in her life. And she was dating a guy named Jason Zalio. It's Z-A-I-L-O. Zalio. I'd say Zylo. Zylo. That's what I wanted to say at first. And then I corrected myself. (laughs) Either way, we'll just call him Jason no matter what. So he was part of a super wealthy family that was also a successful real estate business. So all in all, just... They have it all going, you know? Lindsay had a pretty ordinary life growing up. Nothing traumatic, really. Nothing, like, catastrophic to anything that would end up happening to her. And on January 31st, 2008, Lindsay got a call from a woman that was looking to buy a house in the $1 range. So this puts us straight into the case. A dollar. So she's been $1 million. Oh, I heard it $1. I was like, No. <laughs> Oh my God, imagine. And the $1 range, please. <laughs> That'd be, that's my same, range same. right now for buying a house. Can I buy <laughs> right it for now, a right? <laughs> please? <laughs> no. So this was like such a higher range, especially because most of the houses she sold were around the 600000 mark, which is still a pretty good number for her to be selling. She, she was just a great real estate agent, even from the very beginning. I mean, she has so many people in her circle. And. If she could get the reputation of selling million-dollar houses, then she could really make a name for herself and start getting big-time clients. So the lady on the phone said that they had recently moved to Vancouver area because her husband had gotten a new job and they needed a new home. She asked how the lady got her personal phone number. She did not call her work number. Uh-oh. And yeah, and she said that she had gotten it from another client that Lindsay tried to reach, but that client never answered the phone. 
and she's just kind of like okay well this is this is a little too good to be true but also if it is true that is huge for her career yeah it's not something she's really gonna pass up that's some like that would be something that you think about for the rest of your life like did i just fuck that up you know like Mm -hmm. did i just really pass up on a million dollar commission well not the commission on million dollars but you know Mm -hmm. still come on and Lindsay's talking to Jason about it and her dad and she's and she's telling them that the lady on the phone had a really heavy like Spanish sounding accent but also that it sounded fake so it didn't sound like fully Spanish but like sounded like a a, a little bit of a mixture of stuff and I don't agree with this and this is what I mean by some people can have a little bit of asshole in them and still light up a room she had them listed in her phone as the Mexicans not even their name you see what I'm saying? Like, that, not we're not victim blaming here, but like, that's just a little. That's that is not professional, Lindsay, sweetie. <laughs> okay. Mm-mm. So, after talking with them, they all agreed that the opportunity was way too big to not do it. So they went forward with it. Lindsay found the perfect home, and Jason had made an agreement that he would go with her to the showing because she was still feeling uneasy, and he's a realtor too, so that would make sense. They made the appointment for Saturday, February 2nd, 2008 at 5.30 p.m. On this day, Lindsay and Jason ate lunch at a restaurant. And there's proof of this because there is CCTV footage of them there. And also there's the bill that was paid at 4.24 p.m. All this is true. They drove separately because they had met at the restaurant from their jobs. And then Lindsay was going to stop by the house, get into her realtor professional clothing, and then head over to the house Jason was stopping by an auto shop to pick up one of his friends. CCTV footage shows all this happening, all of it. So we have them going to the house, him going to pick up his friend, Lindsay showing up at the house. It's all there, which is why it's weird. (laughs) So Jason let Lindsay know that he was running late. So to make things worse that Jason is not with her, the lady on the phone had said that she was going to be there alone. But now she was accompanied by a man. Mm-mm. Two witnesses say they saw a six foot tall Caucasian man with dark hair and blonde hair and a blonde hair woman aged between 35 and 45 wearing a distinctive, distinctively, ooh, that word, <laughs> patterned dress walking up to the cul-de-sac. And there's a photo of like the dress. They like remade it to like try to fucking solve this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the witnesses then saw Lindsay shake hands with a couple and from body language of their greeting, it appeared that she had never met them before. So this is coming from, like, the witnesses. The three of them then went into the house. Around 5.40 p.m., Jason came to the house. He saw Lindsay's car and also, uh, as he drove up to the front of the house, like, not in, like, the driveway, but just, like, by the house on the street, you know? He could see through the glass of the front door that there was, like, figures in there. He was parked outside the house for like 10 minutes, but then he didn't want to seem like he was being like a nosy, interfering boyfriend, you know? So he ended up parking a little ways down the street, but where he could still see the house. He waited about 10 more minutes and then texted Lindsay to ask if everything was okay. There was no reply at all, and she never even opened the message. Mm -mm. 20 minutes passed now, and when he saw the front door open and then close again, he got super weirded out. So he went out to the house to check on Lindsay and through the door, he could see it was locked through the door. He could see her shoes at the very front of the house, but they weren't placed nicely as she would do when mm-hmm. professionally showing a million dollar home. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Not even a million dollars. Even her regular 600,000 range. She's very professional. And her shoes were just thrown. So there's absolutely no movement. There's no sounds from the house. He's knocking. He's ringing the doorbell. He's doing everything. He calls 911 while his friend is finding another way into the house. His friend finds a gap in the fence in the backyard, goes through it. And so there's literally a hole in the fucking fence, goes through that and then sees that the back door is just wide open. Excuse me. His friend runs through the house, unlocks the door, letting Jason in. And the entire time he's on the phone with the 911 dispatcher and he's letting them know everything that's going on. He says, okay, I'm going to enter the house now. But then he hangs up. With the police? Which is, yes, he hangs up the 911 dispatcher. No. Which is odd. But at the same time, like he's frantic. He's been cooperating. I guess you can say cooperating with them. Like, and he's just having a moment. So unfortunately, okay, I have this in my notes later, but I just want to touch on it now. He runs, like as soon as his friend unlocks the door, he runs straight up the stairs, straight to the room that Lindsay's in immediately. Mm. Suspicious. And I'll have on our Instagram at bloodbath podcast, a video of him explaining to the cop, like the detective, exactly what he did. And it's just like, okay, but we'll get into the lie detector test later. (laughs) (laughs) So he finds, I'm going to find my spot. Hold on. Here we go. Okay. He would find Lindsay brutally murdered. He found her in a pool of blood in the master bedroom. When Paramus got to the house, she was already dead. Lindsay had zero, absolutely no defensive wounds, indicating that she had been struck from behind. She was stabbed over 40 times and her throat was cut so bad she was almost decapitated. Nothing had been done and she had not been sexually assaulted. Bless you. Thank you. That's so obviously. Yeah. What? Why 40 times? Anyway, I don't. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why it happened. It doesn't make any sense. There's, there's, there's theories, I know. I know you're but we're it. not going to know them. <laughs> like we're not going to know the actual reason. So obviously Jason and his friend were taken into questioning right away, but the CCTV footage shows all their whereabouts. The credit card statements show their whereabouts. He took a lie detector test. He passed, but we know even like those are, those are easy to like manipulate, but you can manipulate them. Okay. And There's no fingerprints or DNA found that matches any of the boys that were in there. And also the canines that they had, the good boys, they couldn't find anything. Anything at all. It's like these people didn't exist. It's suspected that that, uh, the only common sense to assume, wait, what did I write? Mm Okay, so <laughs> she, she figured it out. Mm. <laughs> it's suspected that it's, it's common sense. They left out the gap in the fence and they must have had a getaway car back there. And that's how they got away. They traced the phone that was used to call Lindsay and found that it was bought a few months earlier and that the address programmed to it was just a randomly chosen address. Also, the phone had never been used until to call Lindsay. Okay. Uh- yeah. Mm-hmm. I have so many the name on the phone in my head right now, but okay. Just you wait. The name on the phone was 
Paulo Rodriguez, which was a fake name from what they could tell. They were hoping that the phone would be used again to track the number, you know, but it was a burner phone and it was never used again until it was. Yeah. So <laughs> there was a sketch of a, of a woman that was made to like try to find her. And unfortunately it just, it remains an unsolved case. And it looks like the, like the sketch looks like a pretty generic person, I guess you can say like no really defying features, but there is somebody it kind of looks like, and it might be Jason's mom. <laughs> oh my God. Who is wealthy. Uh huh. Wealthy means get away with bodies. That's how I see it. You're not wrong. You know, it's scary. So here's some theories. This looked like a very thought out plan, but Lindsay was never in legal trouble with anyone ever and like I said, nothing was ever stolen and she wasn't sexually assaulted. So this wasn't a sexually driven thing. So a higher killer, maybe the only thing that this murder was, was brutal, was absolutely fucking brutal. And a hitman to do this amount of damage as like, where does it sounds? Wouldn't be professional. That's not what, that's not what would happen. They would just get it done and get out. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't be stabbed 40 fucking times. Like, stab somebody 40 times. That, like, make, or not, don't, wait, stop, no. <laughs> <laughs> don't stab somebody 40 times. Make the movement of, like, stabbing 40 times. And, like, having to add, like, actual pressure and thought to that. That takes a long time. This isn't a hired. No, and that seems very um, passion-driven. Exactly. That's the, that was my next thing. That's not going to happen. A hitman's not going to have that passion unless it's somebody that knows her. Yeah, unless it's personal, you know, you know like cracking exactly. his knuckles, you know. No. <laughs> exactly. Like, no. So although Jason was cleared and passed a lie detector test, people are still giving him the side eye, which so am I. Mm-hmm. Seems questionable There was talk from me. Lindsay. It seems questionable to me, sweetie. There was talk from Lindsay to her friends and family that Jason was possessive of her and that she was thinking about breaking up with him. Also, when he got into the house, as I said earlier, he went straight to the master bedroom where she was. He didn't look anywhere else. He ran up the fucking stairs straight to it. He then reenacted the the moments. Like I said, you could listen to that in Bloodbath. Like I said earlier, I already had this in my notes. I knew it, but I had to say it, okay? Mm September 2010, Dateline made an episode about this case called Dreamhouse Murder. I tried to find it, but it wasn't available for me to listen to. I think it might be like only a Canada thing that can listen to it. So podcast by proxy, help us out. <laughs> by the way, we both did a Dateline case then. <laughs> nice. Look at us. This wasn't even on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it was revealed that in December 2007, eight-ish weeks before the murder, Lindsay was trying to get in touch with her ex-boyfriend while she was visiting out of town in Calgary, I think is how you say it, where her dad lived. Uh Yeah. She didn't get in touch with him, but less than four weeks later, this ex would be arrested in one of the largest drug busts in Alberta's history. I'm talking $8 million worth of drugs, my dude. Oh, my God. Yeah. So because of this, people started thinking maybe this was a drug cartel murder. Mm. And that they, that maybe she was a police informant. Mm. But again, supposedly not true. 
But also, if she is a police informant, would the police actually confess to that? Probably not. Like, you know what I mean? They wouldn't confess that they fucked up if she was. I don't think that's the case. But if she was, I don't see them being like, oh, yeah, we fucked up. And now she's dead because of us. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but that would be a reason. She did tell unsolved. her dad. That would be a reason it's unsolved. I know. Like, all these theories are, like, they're solid until you get to the next one. And you're like, okay, wait, what about that one? <laughs> but what about that one? <laughs> so she told her dad when she got back from visiting him that she saw something she was not supposed to see. But did not elaborate on it. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leaves us with Jason. In a weird turn of events, the phone used to call Lindsay... That one time that was only used to call Lindsay. It's so, it's so weird. It was activated again. Okay. Lindsay had a close friend named Nikki. And she said that one day later in 2008, she got a call in the middle of the night from an unknown number. When she answered it, it was coming. She was coming out of sleeping. Like she was literally in the middle of the night and not fully registering what was happening. But it was a female voice with a heavy fake like accent. And she could not say where it was from or what they were saying. She became more aware of what was happening. And she got really scared because she started to remember what Lindsay was saying about the callers of the house. And then she ended up murdered. The caller hung up on Nikki, but she, was not, she wasn't going to have that happen. She literally called this number back like 30 fucking times. She just kept calling and calling and calling. She was like, you're going to answer this phone. Shirley Zalio. Jason's mom picks up. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. No. Nikki and Shirley. Okay. Nikki and Shirley now. That's fucking weird. So she asks Shirley, why the hell did you just call me? And also, how the fuck do you have my number? That's what I was wondering. Shirley says she meant to call a different Nikki on her phone and that she didn't know how she has her number. And she said maybe Jason or Lindsay had programmed it into her phone at one time. Or maybe you're using fucking... No, no. It's the same phone. It's not public knowledge if the cops had done their actual fucking job and looked into this or not. But Shirley adamantly denies that this ever happened. That Nikki's lying. I'm speechless. What do you... She said it so happened. So this, and this is a has, rabbit hole of a case. Does she have phone records? That's. I I have to do more of a deep dive, I guess. But it's just, it's nowhere to. It's just Nikki's word. And I don't know if the cops have actually like looked into it or not. You know, maybe, maybe they did they and to. there was nothing. And that's why. Or maybe they don't fucking mm-hmm. want to. This family is wealthy AF. And the fact that. Jason was possessive and I'm going to believe the fucking victim in her telling her dad and friends that she wants to break up with him because he's possessive. I'm going to believe her. So when she went, when she went and saw the thing she wasn't supposed to see, Mm -hmm. was she dating Jason at that time or yes. Okay. Cause she never broke up with Jason ever, but she wanted to, she was murdered before she had the chance to. Right. Cause I'm thinking combo flavor where it's like, it's they're they're a rich family and they that they are rich from realty and drugs and they have and ties drugs. with the police mm. 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 you know because then and that's why it's not solved that all makes sense 
yeah, this is a rabbit hole of a case. You can literally, there's so many other like conspiracies and whatnot. And I'd totally be down to go back and dive on this, but I got to catch a plane in a couple hours. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't ask you what your good good is, but okay. What's your good good actually? <laughs> oh, that's my good good. I'm catching a plane. I'm going to lay such a big smooch on that cheek of yours. Gross. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. I'm going to wake you up in the morning so I can say good morning. Ugh. And I'm going to jump in your bed. So bad. Well, good luck. My bed's very, so very excited. high up. So, I know. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Give me your case. Well, first I'm going to give you a creepy fact. Okay. <laughs> if you want to hear okay. I mean, do you want to hear a creepy fact? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I mean, no. What? <laughs> the way you stopped. Go ahead. So there's this fish called a comb jelly or the warty the comb, comb jelly, jelly okay also known as the sea walnut okay. or <laughs> the neniopsis lady is its scientific name <clears throat> okay it has I a like walnut disappearing butt <laughs> so uh this is a discovery by sydney tam of the marine biological laboratory in woods hole massachusetts said that there's no documentation of a transient anus in any other animals that she knows of. Anus! <laughs> it's not visible when the animal is not pooping and there's no trace under the microscope. It is invisible to me. So this jellyfish is blood just... Invisible anus! <laughs> yes! Like, where does it go? That's amazing. Where does it go? Where does it go? Like, how fucking strange. How would they know? How would they know? <laughs> like, did you just poop? Be like, I don't know. Did I? That is so <laughs> that's like the one singular only thing then that could be like i don't poop and you'd believe it you'd be like i guess so I didn't, okay, I don't know where your it must be is. a girl <laughs> girls don't poop <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> all right so we both did a dateline case apparently so i'm pretty sure you probably know mine but can we actually watch yours yeah i think you can yeah you can it's uh okay. episode 19 of one of the seasons i think season three but it was recommended to us by our friend Michaela not the one Michaela but the other Michaela you know the there's Michaela S but it's the other Michaela S <laughs> so this is Michaela oh, my oh yeah we do have another S yes, yes. your roommate I was like <laughs> Schumacher <laughs> no no the other one <laughs> the other one okay so okay. uh this is a story of Mark Weiner Weinberger sorry he was called the nose doctor and oh I don't think I know this he graduated from University of Pennsylvania and UCLA and chose to set up shop in Indiana. And he did this. Gross. <laughs> because. I mean, if you're from Indiana, I love you, but I also grew up there, so I can say it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. He was next to a bunch of like mills where people were having constant sinus issues and allergies. Smart move for a nose doctor, right? Very smart. This guy is incredibly smart creepily smart oh no um and he was supposedly performing 15 to 22 surgeries each week which was unheard of he had a state-of-the-art facility like literally doctors who would walk in were like jaw dropped to the floor all the new equipment really? just gorgeous it was a gorgeous facility okay <clears throat> they're like in indiana why <laughs> yeah but i mean it makes sense with the allergies and the sinus issues so it's paying. Smart dude. It is. So he ended up getting married to a woman named Michelle only after a year of dating. And they had so much money that he was like, let's have three weddings. Like, 
one in indiana um, sign me up one in italy <laughs> like one of like just the most extravagant kind of thing and oh he was God. putting every single bill in the grandiose kind of way he was like i got it just throw it in the bag okay um and they actually i want up- it i got it <laughs> exactly exactly in between in these 15 to 22 surgeries each week they were vacationing all the time and he was showering her with all the expensive toys including a private jet like dude was just there's like a level of this where it gets creepy you know what i mean <laughs> and the level of it is that we're talking about it on bloodbath right now if we weren't talking about it it would just be like yes get your spoiled self going but like no <laughs> Well, it gets worse, obviously. <laughs> Otherwise, course. we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> Sit down. It gets worse. <laughs> so in September of 2004, it is going to be Michelle's 30th birthday. So her and Mark are headed to Greece for a vacation. Um, Michelle was a studying psych- psychologist and Mark, who was 11 years older than her, you know, had his successful sinus clinic and they had just had a miscarriage recently. So she was looking Aww. for a fresh start on this vacation, like going into her 30s with bright-eyed, bushy-tailed kind of attitude. Yeah. I was going to say, too, though, before you mentioned a miscarriage, I was going to say, this sounds like a power couple. Yeah. Like with both their jobs. Yeah, definitely. Well, she's, I mean, she's studying to become a psychologist. Like she's working on herself and like getting there. Still. Still. Yeah. Exactly. Um, she has the ambition she's showing it she's not just there she's not going to be a housewife no she's she's gonna do something you know (laughs) no she's gonna do some shit and and she just we'll get into it all right so okay luco luco carici was the hired on captain of the yacht that they were on in greece and mark had told luco that he intended on buying a sailboat in cash for michelle as a gift so he had like in the safe on the yacht he had 30 grand in cash, just okay. ready to buy a sailboat for Michelle mm-hmm. for her 30th birthday, right? Okay. So they dined in Mykonos. That could be sweet. <laughs> and then they returned to the yacht to go to bed, right? Yeah. Well, when Michelle woke up the next morning, she woke up to an empty bed. And she went to Luco, the captain, to see if he had heard where Mark might have gone. And Luca was like, oh, he probably went in town to buy you another gift. No big deal. And so she was like, okay. Casual. He's just buying more presents. Probably. You know, he just want to shower you in presents because that's what he did. You know, he just yeah. showed off yeah. his money that way. So Michelle was like, all right, I'm going to go back to town, go for a run on the beach just to see if she could find him, but also keeping that body fit. To or get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she had breakfast at the hotel and apparently it was a really amazing breakfast. Like she had like this Greek yogurt with honey on it and it was like. It was so good, oh. but she still had a bitter feeling about it. So it was like, oh, oh. no, she did not feel good. <laughs> yeah. OK, so she went back to the yacht and spoke with Luco again. And he suggested, OK, he's probably buying diamonds. Like it, it takes time to do that. You're fine. You're fine. That is so suspicious. And she didn't buy the even story. even in this lifestyle. Yeah. And you should like, be suspicious. That's still weird. So. She didn't buy the story and she began to freak out. She was like, this is, this is not okay. And she called the police. Good on her, right? Yeah. She told the police that she believed the captain had more information than he was letting on. And apparently Mark had left Luca with a secret cell phone number and it helped to like allude to the surprise. Like he was getting her something big and like she couldn't know about it, couldn't get in touch with him because it was that secretive or whatever. So she left... So he left a phone yeah, number with Luco. Mm-hmm. So okay, 
kind of strange. So Luca ended up calling the number again and again and again and again, was getting no response. And he was like, why would you give me this number if you're not going to answer it? Nobody's answering. Yeah. And Michelle was convinced that someone might have seen Mark, you know, spending all this money out in town and he might have been kidnapped or killed. That's, yeah, I can see that. Especially. And I would get that worry too. Because the 30 grand from the safe was not in the safe anymore. Yeah. So Luco came to her uh, the next, like, I think it had been a whole day. And he said that he'd spoken with a taxi driver in town. And the taxi driver insisted that he had driven Mark to the airport and he watched him board on a private jet. Luco ended up, after this, giving Michelle the private phone number. And she ended up calling it over and over and over. Finally, the phone call. Rightfully so. Exactly. Finally, it connected, though. And all she heard on the other line was a joyful, hello. And then he hung up. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like a child's voice or like his? Like his voice happily saying, hello. That's, it's, that's creepy. It's creepy as fuck. All that he had left on board for her was 2000 euro and her passport. So it was like, get home. Wait, he abandoned her? Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, this is just a sick game? Oh, yeah. And it is oh, so tell me more. I'm intrigued. Elaborate. So she returns home to, to Chicago and insisted on finding out where the fuck her husband went. So she yeah. went to his nose clinic and found she literally like searched everywhere and she went to the shredder and literally puzzle pieced together the, th- the documents he had shredded and was able to find the name of a hotel in Paris. <clears throat> oh my God, this is crazy. I know, right? More. Like, <laughs> cool. So she got on a plane. And walked into the hotel that was in Paris that she found the name of. She showed his picture to the hotel staff. And they're like, yeah, he was here last night, but he's not here anymore. She missed him by one day. What is this? Please tell me she doesn't end up dead. I'm not going to tell you anything. So she went home. (laughs) Credit cards showed that he might have gone to the south of France, but they weren't really able to verify that. Um, she, okay. So she then asked his co-workers if there was anything weird about his behavior in the previous weeks. And they said he had brought in two suitcases and mailed them out. One to France and one to Athens, Greece. So two locations for his suitcases. That's suspicious. It is suspicious. And she didn't know what to do. Her loving and doting husband was missing without a trace. Like she was just like, what do I do? <laughs> and it's like not even missing without a trace. Like there's a little bit of a trace because he's obviously playing a fucking game yes and there this begs the question what was he running from why did he (gasps) he's not a real doctor (laughs) well during michelle's searches she happened upon a name phyllis barnes and phyllis had her daughter sean who she loved dearly and when sean turned 18 she realized her mom was losing her voice becoming sick and she had a sinus infection that would just not quit. And she was like, please see a doctor. The doctor yeah. she chose to see was Dr. Weinberger because his billboards were posted all over town. She okay. Was like, I'm going to go see him. And immediately he was like, you need to have sinus surgery. So within a few weeks, she got the surgery and it only took 30 minutes, which was very unusual. And after the surgery, he refused to talk or see the family. Like he would not talk to any of them. They're, like, you know, when the doctor did comes out and he's did like, did he do oh, that with his other one? The surgery w- went okay. Like, they'll be awake in a bit. He didn't do that. 
This is another doctor death. Oh my God. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> so Phyllis went home and just continually got more sick, more hoarse in the voice. She called oh, no. Dr. Weinberger and complained, and he laughed at her and said, things take time to heal. He laughed? Excuse me? Yes. And I'm t- this is all before he disappeared, right? So this is... No, but that's... You're supposed to be a professional doctor, and your your patient is calling you with an issue, and you're going to laugh at her? Yep. Excuse me? So no. Phyllis, being the smart woman that she was, she did the smart thing. Called another doctor to get a second opinion. Good and job. All this doctor had to do, like, literally within 15 minutes, preliminary check on her throat. Like a quick glimpse inside. He saw that she yeah. had two masses growing in her throat. She had throat cancer. <gasps> oh, my God. Yeah. Like, you can't miss that. And so he said that Dr. Weinberger didn't even inspect her throat. He's like, there's no way you could have that. Missed she just that. went straight to surgery. He literally like looked in, was like, "Yep, you've got throat cancer." Oh my god! It was insane. And so Phyllis, at this point, is becoming very weak. She ends up passing out in her home due to lack of air because the masses had gotten so big. Oh my god! So my she heart. was rushed in a hospital in emergency service uh, surgery and was given a tracheostomy, and her voice box was oh. removed along with the cancer. Oh my heart. And after this happened, I don't know why, but apparently it was too stressful for her husband to handle. So he divorced her and actually ended up dying very shortly after that. So Sean is just going through it. She's lost her dad. Her parents are divorced. Her mom just had cancer that she thought was a sinus infection. And it's just like, poor girl. Also, fuck that, dude. This is in sickness and in health, sir. I'm not saying you (laughs) deserve to die, but like karma do find her way around. I guess so. (laughs) Well, Sean is like. I'm I'm, ha- I'm not here with it. And so is Phyllis's sister. And they ended up hiring attorney Ken Allen in order to sue Dr. Weinberger. They said, you should have yes. fucking caught this. And so Ken, the attorney, he starts asking questions. He starts seeing Dr. Weinberger's patients. He's talking to everybody. And he's seeing that everyone's having a pretty similar experience to Phyllis's. Not the oh throat cancer, God. but you know. Let's, yeah. So we're going to talk about Valerie and her daughter, Kayla, who's eight years old. Kayla had come in to see Dr. Weinberger because she'd been having headaches. And so Dr. Weinberger... fuck with children. Yeah. In children. Don't do it. Yes. So he was like, you need Mm. nasal surgery. And Mm. she went in, went under, and then complained for weeks and months after that she still had a headache. And her head even began to swell. Oh, my God. So she finally went to another doctor and they said that she needed to see an oncologist because she had a mass growing in her head. No. The doctors were only able to remove 10% of the mass because they did find scar tissue in her nasal cavity because he had gone in and scraped around. And just scraped around. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So we're back to 2004. Phyllis's cancer had taken over her body and she knew her time was up. And just days later is when Mark and Michelle left for Michelle's birthday surprise in Greece. So... Excuse me. His practice, (laughs) like this is in 2004, he ends up draining every single account that the company had. So the company had their accounts with all the money that they got from all the insurance, whatever. Oh, he's getting that money out. He drained. And they watched it happen in real time. They're like, okay, that one's drowned. That one's drained. That one's drained. Like millions of dollars gone. 
This is an actual movie. Get this, though. One of his rooms at the practice was hoarded. Like, that was a room that nobody went into. It was full of survival gear. Like, straws that turn salt water into regular water. And, like, tents and, like, you know, snowshoes and... Okay, Brian Laundry, calm down. It's weird. And, like, his what? his employees were afraid to go in there. They're like, it's really creepy. Rightfully so. It was probably booby-trapped. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they looked at his Amazon book list full of survival guides. They saw that he... They found out he had bought uncut diamonds, which is a way that rich people store their money without it being money. What? Yeah. It's very strange. So where in the world is Mark Weinberger, right? Yeah, I was. Tell me, <laughs> like I'm like, hello. <laughs> He's got so many civil suits against him in Indiana, so much so that the FBI was like, you know what? We're gonna indict you. We're gonna indict you on 22 counts of medical fraud because, like, you're getting attention, buddy. So the U.S. government's now on his tail. Love it. But no one's able to pinpoint where he is. He ends up being featured on America's Most Wanted, but nobody, yes, nobody calls in after the episode. No. <laughs> What the fuck? So two years later, we go to the Italian Alps in a remote town that's very difficult to get to. We meet Monica Spicogna, and she was a cashier in this town. And she says she met a man. His name was Mark Stern, a quiet American looking for ski lessons. Hmm. So they're on the slopes. They start talking about music. They start to fall for one another. He told her before they got together, he wanted to spend a year on the Alps working on his survival skills. And she was... Like, that's really cool. Like, you want to work on yourself, whatever. And so he's near the Swiss and French borders. And he was preparing to survive the brisk cold of the mountains. And Monica was like, I'll help out and bring you supplies every few months. And so she did. She did that for him. She was convinced that she loved him, did all of it willingly. And then comes mid-December. Mark had been in the mountain for a few months. And Monica received a call from a friend that said, be careful. Mark is not who he claims to be. His name is Mark Weinberger. So Monica typed in this name, found the episode of America's Most Wanted, and yes, learned that yes. he was a wanted man. And she's yes. like, I love this man, but what do I do? No, you don't. Not anymore. Turn him in. She called the police. Thank you. <laughs> so oh my God. The police and the FBI needed proof that he was who he said he was. And so... One of the ski attendants on the mountain said that Mark had not paid his rent for his apartment. And so then they start looking into his file. They check his paperwork and find the passport that he used to get the apartment, says Mark Weinberger. Yes. It's on. <laughs> it's on. So Let's Monica's go. Like, He's up in the mountain somewhere. What you gonna do when they come for you? <laughs> but nobody was able to find him on the mountain. Uh-huh. Until December 15th, 2009. Okay. <clears throat> He'd been on the run for five years. And they find a tent. This man emerges and they need, they're like, can you come down to the station and talk to us? This is just the cops. They're like, can you come down and talk to us? We're looking for someone else and we just want to talk to you, see if you've seen anybody. Can you tell me, does he have like a full beard? No, but there are, uh, there is a picture of him when he gets out of the tent. But it's not a full beard. Yeah. I'm picturing like caveman style, like been out in the wilderness. (laughs) He must have had a razor or something because it's, he's. Kind of, he's got like a stubble thing going on but you think he would too though because he's gonna try to make his appearance probably different yeah but he's a narcissist <laughs> oh he has to look good that's yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah so, okay that'll get you <laughs> well he at first was like 
I don't want to come down to the station. Like, no, I'm fine. You guys find your find your guy or whatever. And they're like, no, we really think you should come down to the station with us. Like, just just talk with us. It's fine. Just come hang out. We got donuts. We got coffee. Just come hang out. But wait, this is the Italian police. They have pasta. <laughs> they got pasta. An impasta. An impasta. So that he came to the station. <laughs> they see that he is hungry. He's cold. He's tired. They're like, here, have some pasta. Literally, like, eat some food. <laughs> Literally? Yes. Oh, my God. I love it. And you want some pizza? <laughs> and they're letting him do this while they are waiting in the background for an official, uh, like, warrant for arrest. Yes. And he's sitting there eating. They walk up and they're like, is your name Mark Weinberger? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and so they arrested him, searched him for weapons, whatever. Somehow, that didn't work out because he used asked to use the restroom and a guard escorted him to the restroom. But Mark had a knife on him. And he took the knife out and attempted to slip his own throat. His own throat? I mean, I'd rather it be his own throat than like the guard's throat. But holy shit balls. And so the guard jumps on him, tries to stop the bleeding. He's grabbing tablecloths, like fucking trying to make sure he doesn't die. Yeah. He doesn't die. He goes to the hospital. He's recovering. Monica's at his side, like while he's recovering in the hospital. She actually admitted she ended up giving him over $12,000. Like, throughout their relationship. Oh, my God. And I'm just going to say this. Like, this dude's a fucking doctor. If he wanted to slit his throat, he could have. He would have. He could have. But he's a narcissist. And Michelle said the same thing. Yep. So, basically, news travels That's a really good point to point out. Yeah. I know. Like, he he knows where to cut. So. Yeah, exactly. If he really wanted to off himself... It's sad to say, but he would have fucking done it. But since he is a narcissist, he's going to want the attention of being in the hospital and probably even thought it out further and thinking if he can get himself into the hospital, he might be able to escape from the hospital. You're so on point. Literally. Yay. And doesn't want to go to prison because he's who wants to go there. He's going to, he wants to linger the not going to prison exactly. part. That's just common sense. <laughs> That's exactly what he did. So fuck this guy. So... News travels back to the States. Infamous Mark Weinberger has been found. And the America's Most Wanted producer is like, Michelle, hello, on the phone. We found your mans. We know John it's been Walsh five years. popping open the champagne. <laughs> she's like, we did it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, you said he tried to kill himself? No way. No way did he try to do that. Mm-mm. But guess who's been following the story in the background? Literally knew the day it happened. Did not wait for the news to travel. December 15th, Ken Allen, the attorney who had been working with Phyllis Barnes, he calls up Phyllis Barnes' sister. He's like, Mark's been found. And he was ready to bring justice to the Barnes family and all the other victims of Mark Weinberger. Yes. That's our cancer patient, right? Yes. Well, both of them had, it was both Kayla and Phyllis who had cancer. Yeah, okay. So, like I said, Michelle said he's a a narcissist. He's a doctor. He should know exactly how to kill himself. He easily could have done it. He didn't do that. And so they finally indict him, whatever. They get him back to the States. And at first, Mark motherfucker Weinberger was given a plea deal. And the judge was like, you know what? No, I'm going to throw it out. No. We're taking his ass. No, I'm just going to toss it in the bin. To trial. It's a trial case. Yes. So Ken Allen's got a deposition with Mark Weinberger. He sits him down and he's like, let's talk. And Mark Weinberger's like, I plead the fifth. 
Oh my god. He's like, come on, just tell me, me about river. why you did this or talk about your life. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. Over and over and over. And so Ken's like, you know what? Fine, you don't want to talk. I, being the smart fucking attorney that I am, uh-huh. decided to record Phyllis before she died. So she's coming back from the grave to give her story. Snaps for Phyllis. Exactly. Yes. That is so smart. And he knew that she wasn't going to make but it. Like, if, good job. Exactly. So yes. he recorded it and played the deposition for the jury. Yes. And, and that jury said, kill him. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, fuck this guy. Throw him away. <laughs> so Ken was fighting to get, to get $13 million for the victims of Mark Weinberger. But Indiana has a cap on medical fraud settlements at $1.2 million. Okay. So Ken was like, seeing as there's multiple victims, I'm going to push for more. And he did win more, but that is... 1.2 each? (laughs) It was undisclosed how much he won because they don't want people knowing that they would like let... That's good. But he did did win more, just so you know. So that's good. Okay, good. So Mark ends up pleading guilty to 22 counts of healthcare fraud at his sentencing in 2012. And he ends up apologizing, but only only apologize to the victims of families and and his patients and to the healthcare community does not mention Michelle does not mention Monica like did not he's not actually apologizing no. he's doing that for face value he's doing that to have a better look on himself that is not to have anybody else feel relieved shut the fuck up literally so his mouth shut it gets worse but wait, oh great there's more there's more <laughs> so he was sentenced to a grand total of 7 years in prison Seven. Mm-hmm. And. Seven. Seven. And he was able to serve the sentence in Florida so he could be close to his father. No. Yeah. After Seven the 200 years. fucking 80 lawsuits set against him, the $55 million that insurance had to pay out, he got seven fucking years. How old is he? Uh, He was like 40. I don't know. Absolutely one. not. So now he's like almost 50 um and so he had you know good conduct so he got out in five years was released to a halfway house started investing in crypto and guess what this <laughs> motherfucker's doing now what is he doing now he's running a yoga blog comfy from his home in florida he's Shut literally up. selling yoga courses at yogadoctv.teachable.com and his page is so fucking gross. Like, it's icky. Wait, does he have a degree for that? Because He's, some homegirl just got sued in Texas for not having any type of, like, degree but selling workout routines. Texas as a whole sued her. So shit. can we sue him? So he is a doctor. Like <laughs> He is a doctor. He does yeah, have he credentials as a doctor. a doctor. Graduated from University of Pennsylvania. Graduated from UCLA. Has a doctorate. Because like, Dr. Death didn't even graduate from... He's not a doctor. Right. And... But this guy has his actual credentials. Yes. yes. And just decided to be a shit doctor. That is not okay. And anybody who is doing the ohm with this dude, you need to reevaluate your your ohmness. Especially when <laughs> you can buy superhero yoga moves for dorks for $197. That's what he has listed. Yeah. And it's Okay, wait, that's is, really funny you said that huh. because when you gave the example, or not the example, when you were talking about how he like went to the wilderness and was like on that self-help kick Mm -hmm. all i could see in my head and i didn't say it was dr strange when he goes and finds the voodoo doctor to (laughs) fix his hands that's literally all i was envisioning that's pretty perfect (laughs) 
Except Doctor Strange was actually a good doctor. But yes. <laughs> we stand Stephen Strange. Okay. We, do. we stand our narcissist <laughs> Stephen Strange. It's fine. Yes. It's fine. Well, um, <laughs> the description of his fucking superior yoga moves for dorks is badass muscle moves to wow Jim hotties. Like, oh my God. There needs to be like an FBI flag watch on who's buying these things because <laughs> incels. Right? Oh my God. He's just. I don't know how he got to where he is, but he's living his life in Florida, but his website's kind of, I went to it and yeah. you can't really click on anything. So I think he might've shut it down or something after the Dateline episode. Shut it down, I'm shut it sure. down. He's just, he's trying to do his thing though. There's tons of pictures of him online doing yoga poses, being a fucking douchebag. So whatever. <laughs> being a fucking douchebag. But I do have good news. Okay. So you remember Kayla, this is Valerie's daughter, the eight year old who had yeah, to go through April. having a tumor on her fucking brain. Guess mm-hmm. what she did? What? She became a doctor. No way. Yeah. Yeah. She's a doctor. And then Aww. Monica, the Italian girlfriend, she's in a rock band, just living her best life. That is so awesome. Sean, Phyllis's daughter, she's doing well as well. And Michelle ended up getting her PhD and is a psychologist now. Yay, like, she did it. Snaps for these ladies. Like they they did it. Oh, I'm so happy. This is a good case, Jamie. I like this one. Do Yay. more. <laughs> so that's the case. I mean, I know Phyllis passed away, but like, and to an extent, it was not natural causes, but like she wasn't stabbed 40 times and almost decapitated. So yeah. I'm happy that she kind of didn't get murdered, but she still was kind of murdered by him because mm-hmm. his negligence caused her to pass faster than she probably would have if not at all you know from having cancer and that's exactly what her sister was pushing for in the trial she was like my sister would have not died had mark weinberger they could have had many more years which is why she was she was kind of upset about the seven years like we all are i yeah but whatever hopefully nobody's buying at least he got some time and hopefully now, more people need to cover this case so more people know about him so then he can sell less yoga classes of super awesome nerdy superheroes. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Fix your nerd bod, nerd. Like, what a douche. You sound like a bully. <laughs> like, we don't like you. Yes. So there we go. Yeah. Thanks. I loved it. Oh, I good. loved that case. Good. That was okay. really good. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you podcast. Keep up with us on our socials at Bloodbath Podcast. Uh, DM us or email us anything you have to share. Any ghost stories, paranormal, fun stories about your animals just being weirdos. Your good goods. Your good goods. We want to hear it all. And uh, yeah. we'll catch you next week. And I'll see you here in a couple hours. That's your good good, right? You're going to see me today. That's my good good. That's my good good. But wait. There's more. Bye, 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 b